Section 51 of The Mysteries of London, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The Mysteries of London, Volume 3. By George W. M. Reynolds. Section 51. The Lawyer's Office. A few days after the events just related, the following scene took place at mr howard's office in golden square it was about four in the afternoon and the lawyer was seated in his private room at a table covered with papers when a clerk entered and announced that sir christopher blunt and his lady had just arrived his lady with him eh exclaimed the solicitor well show them in at once and accordingly in a few minutes the worthy knight with charlotte or we beg her pardon lady blunt hanging upon his arm entered the office the old gentleman was all smiles but the quick eye of mr howard immediately perceived that they were to some extent forced and feigned and that beneath his jaunty aspect there was not altogether the inward contentment much less the lithesome glee of a happy bridegroom as for lady blunt she was attired in the richest manner and in all the colors of the rainbow looking far too gaudy to be either genteel or fashionable my dear sir christopher i'm quite charmed to see you exclaimed mr howard rising to welcome his client and the bride your ladyship yes this is my loving and beloved lady blunt howard said the knight pompously a delightful creature i can assure you and who has vowed to devote herself to my happiness come now you great stupid said the lady finish your business here and let us see about the new carriage of all places in the world i hate a lawyer's office ever since i was once summoned to a court of conscience for seventeen shillings and ninepence halfpenny, and had to call on the thief of an attorney to get him to take it by installments of sixpence a week so you see i can't abear the lawyers no offence sir she added turning towards mr howard but i always speak my mind and i think it's best my dear creature my sweet love ejaculated sir christopher astounded at this outbreak of petulance on the part of his loving and beloved wife pray do not distress yourself my dear sir christopher said the lawyer we are accustomed to sharp rebukes from the ladies sometimes he added with as courteous a smile as he could possibly manage under the circumstances but pray be seated will your ladyship take this chair and he indicated the one nearest to the fire lady blunt quitted her husband's arm but made an imperious sign for him to bring his chair close to hers and he obeyed her with a submission which left no doubt in the lawyer's mind as to the empire already asserted by the bride i'm very glad you have called to-day sir christopher said the lawyer for he couldn't very well come before sir interrupted lady blunt because we only came back from the matrimonial trip last night mr howard bowed and was preparing to continue when the knight exclaimed my dear sir what is all this to do about the highwayman who robbed me of the two thousand pounds 
i thought i told you so particularly that i would rather no steps should be taken in the matter and now the moment i come back to town instead of having all the time to ourselves to gad and cozy together again interrupted lady blunt we are forced to come bothering here at a lawyer's office the ends of justice must be met lady blunt said mr howard dryly in consequence of particular information which i received i caused this thomas rainford to be apprehended and i appeal to sir christopher himself who has served the high office of sheriff and once stood as a candidate for the aldermanic gown of port Sokin, until i was obliged to cut those city people added the knight drawing himself up and why should you cut the city people demanded his wife for my part i'd sooner see the lord mayor's show than punch and judy any day and that's saying a great deal for no one can be more fonder of punch and judy than me my dear charlotte exclaimed the knight who now seemed to be sitting on thorns you charlotte at home lady blunt in public sir christopher if you please interrupted the bride but pray let mr howard get to the end of this business well my dear exclaimed sir christopher if it annoys you why would you come i assured you how unusual it was for ladies to accompany their husbands to the office of their solicitors oh i dare say sir christopher cried charlotte you don't think that i'm going to trust you out of my sight do you i'm not quite such a fool as you take me for why even when we are walking along the street together i can see your wicked old eye fixed on the gals lady blunt exclaimed the knight becoming literally purple you 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 do me an injustice so much the better i hope i'm wrong for both our sakes returned her ladyship depend upon it but no matter now let mr howard get on with his story with your permission madam i shall be delighted to do so said the lawyer i was observing just now that having received particular information i caused this scoundrel thomas rainford alias captain sparks to be apprehended and on monday morning sir christopher you must attend before the magistrate to give your evidence but who authorized you to proceed in this affair mr howard demanded the knight what a strange question exclaimed the lawyer evidently unwilling to give a direct answer to it only reflect for a moment my dear sir christopher a robbery is committed you your nephew and myself are outwitted laughed at set at defiance and when an opportunity comes in my way i very naturally adopt the best measures to punish the rogue quite proper too sir said lady blunt the idea of any one daring to laugh at sir christopher i'd scratch the villain's eyes out if i had him here to laugh at sir christopher indeed does he look like a man who is meant to be laughed at lady blunt could not have chosen a more unfortunate opportunity to ask this question for her husband at that moment presented so ludicrous an appearance between his attempts to look pleasant and his fears 
lest he already seemed a henpecked old fool in the eyes of his solicitor that a man possessing less command over himself than mr howard would have laughed outright but with the utmost gravity in the world the lawyer assured her ladyship that nothing could be more preposterous than to laugh at a gentleman of sir christopher blunt's rank and importance and he also declared that in arresting thomas rainford he had merely felt a proper anxiety to punish one who had dared to ridicule the knight after having robbed him lady blunt was one of those capricious women who will laugh at their husbands either as a matter of pastime or for the purpose of manifesting their own independence and predominant sway but who cannot bear the idea of any other person taking a similar liberty she therefore expressed her joy that mr howard had caused rainford to be apprehended and declared of her own accord that sir christopher should attend to give his evidence on the ensuing monday for she would go with him well my dear since such is your pleasure observed the knight there is no more to be said upon the subject i will go my love and i think that when the magistrate hears my evidence he will feel convinced that i know pretty well how to aid the operation of the laws and that i have not been a sheriff for nothing although sprung from a humble origin oh pray don't begin that nonsense sir christopher exclaimed the lady or i shall faint it is really quite sickening at that moment the door opened somewhat violently and mr frank curtis entered the room ah sir christopher my jolly old cock how are you exclaimed that highly respectable young gentleman whose face was dreadfully flushed with drinking and who smelt so strong of cigars and rum punch that his presence instantly produced the most overpowering effect mr curtis began the knight rising from his chair and drawing himself up to his full height i come it's no use to be grumpy over it uncle interrupted frank matrimony doesn't seem to agree with you very well since you're so soon put out of humour ah my dear char my dear aunt i mean beg your pardon quite a mistake you know but really you look charming this afternoon get out with you do cried lady blunt who was somewhat undecided how to treat mr curtis what doesn't matrimony agree with you either my dear and much respected aunt ejaculated frank why i once knew a lady who was in a galloping consumption given up in fact and the undertaker who lived over the way had already begun to make her coffin for he knew he should have the order for the funeral when all of a sudden a young chap fell in love with her married her and took her to the south of france where i've been by the by and brought her home in six months quite recovered and in a fair way to present him with a little one a pledge of affection as it's called mr curtis i am surprised at you exclaimed sir christopher in a pompous and commanding tone to talk in this way before a lady who has only recently passed through that trying ordeal i'll be bound to say it wasn't so recent as you suppose old buck cried frank staggering against the lawyer's table 
sir lady blunt has only been recently very recently married as you are well aware said the knight sternly and now let me tell you sir that the detestable devices schemed by miss mordaunt and you have recoiled upon yourselves miss mordaunt and me exclaimed frank now unfeignedly surprised why i never spoke to miss mordaunt in my life the monster half screamed lady blunt the audacious liar vociferated the knight pretty names very pretty said frank coolly but i'm rather tough thank god and so they won't kill me this time but i can assure you uncle you've got hold of the wrong end of the stick when you say that me and miss mordaunt planned anything against you as i was observed to my friend the count of st omers my lord says i what asked the marquis my lord duke i repeated in a firmer tone cease this nonsense mr curtis interrupted sir christopher blunt sternly yes and let us come along my dear said lady blunt rising and taking her husband's arm your nevy does smell so horrid of rum and cigars and very good things too cried frank ain't they howard me and a party of young fashionables have been keeping it up a bit to-day at my lodgings on the strength of my intended marriage with miss goldberry the rich widow your marriage frank exclaimed sir christopher what how when lord bless you my dear uncle said mr curtis swaying to and fro in a very extraordinary manner you don't half know what kind of a fellow i am while you was away honeymooning and nonsense nonsense indeed exclaimed lady blunt indignantly come sir christopher it's no good staying here talking to mr imperance going to conduit street eh aunt said frank with a drunken leer but by the by you regularly choused me out of five guineas you know aunt and something else too eh what said sir christopher turning back mr curtis do you dare accuse lady blunt of having made a very great fool of me but a much bigger one of you old fellow added frank and snapping his fingers in his uncle's face he exclaimed i don't care a penny for you sir christopher in a few days i shall marry mrs goldberry you're very welcome to be as happy as you can with your abigail there so remember we're cuts in future sir christopher since you want to come the bumptious over me the knight was about to reply but his better half drew him hastily away from the lawyer's office saying come along you great stupid what's the use of staying to dispute with that feller the door closed behind the happy couple and mr frank curtis throwing himself into the chair which lady blunt had just quitted burst out into a tremendous fit of laughter you've gone too far frank a great deal too far said the lawyer shaking his head disapprovingly sir christopher has been a good friend to you and although he has committed an egregious error in running off with that filly still what do i care interrupted frank 
i proposed to mrs goldberry yesterday and she accepted me after a good deal of simpering and blushing and so on she's got five thousand a year and lives in splendid style in baker street i made her believe that i wasn't quite a beggar myself but all's fair in love and war as my friend the late prince of st omers used to say in his cups but what about this fellow rainford how the deuce did he come to be arrested i received information of his residence answered howard coolly and i gave him into custody accordingly it's very odd continued frank but i met him last sunday night and i don't mind telling you that we went into the middle of hyde park and had an hour's wrestling together to see who was the better man i threw him nineteen times running and he threw me seven then i threw him three times and he gave in so we cried quits for old scores and i gave him my word and honour that nothing would ever be done against him in respect to the little affair of the two thousand pounds you may therefore suppose that i'm rather vexed the officers had already received instructions to apprehend him at the time your alleged wrestling match came off said the lawyer and your evidence will be required next monday morning and i suppose the whole affair of the robbery will come out observed curtis interrogatively decidedly so you must state the exact truth if you can added mr howard if i can damn it old fellow that observation is not quite the thing coming from you and if anybody else had uttered it egad i'd send him a hostile message to-morrow morning as i did to my most valued friend the marquis of Boulogne when i was in paris i'll just tell you how that was not now frank interrupted the lawyer because i'm very busy it's getting on for post time and i have not a minute to spare but mind and be punctual at the borough police office on monday morning at ten well if i must i must said curtis but after all i think it's rather too bad for this sparks or rainford or whatever his name is seems a good kind of fellow after all the law must take its course frank observed the attorney in an abrupt dry manner curtis accordingly took his leave and returned to his lodgings where by dint of cold water applied outwardly and soda water taken inwardly he endeavoured to sober himself sufficiently to pay a visit to mrs goldberry for it was literally true that there was such a lady that she lived in splendid style in baker street that frank had proposed to her and that he had been accepted but we have deemed it necessary to give the reader these corroborative assurances on our part in as much as the whole tale would otherwise have appeared nothing more nor less than one of the innumerable children of mr curtis's fertile imagination End of chapter fifty one Recording by John Brandon.